Everybody and welcome back to another episode of Hot Mess Podcast. I'm your host Matilda Johnson and today I will be answering all of your messy questions. I asked listeners on Instagram to write in with some of your dating questions related to and unrelated to episodes that we've had this year. Just any questions you've got, I'm going to answer them. But first, I wanted to say thank you so much for voting for who you want to see back on date number two. We do have a winner. It was announced last week that my homeboy, Timmy Tim, is going to be joining me on date number two, which will be airing early next year. Very excited. He and I have been in discussion about the episode and it's going to be a lot of fun. So good job on voting, guys. It's going to be a really exciting time. Before I jump in to the questions, I have to share the most perfect love story I have ever heard in my life, and it has happened to one of my co-workers, and today's a really exciting day for her, and I'm going to explain why. And I'm just like, I can't not tell the listeners this story. She did allow me to do this, and I've literally told my entire family about this love story. I told my mum about it over the weekend and she teared up. It is so beautiful and it doesn't seem real. So this is the story about how Mike, oh my God, oh my God, my dad's texting me. (laughs) What I was saying is this is the story about how my coworker fell in love overseas. So my coworker, my friend, she was traveling overseas by herself. She was in Europe traveling around and she ended up in Lake Como. I firstly was like, did you meet George Clooney? No, she met the next best thing. She was in a bar one night and saw this really cute guy across the room. And this is why you always shoot your shot. Stories like this is why you shoot your shot, because it turns out stuff like this actually happens. Anyway, she sees this really cute guy across the room and she approaches him and they start playing a card game and drinking together and getting to know each other. Turns out he lives in Lake Como and is a sailboat instructor. This already sounds like a rom-com, am I right? Anyway, she realizes, oh my god, I really like him. He seems great. They hang out a bit more while she's in Lake Como, and then she's like, well, I need to continue my eat, pray, love journey and travel around Europe. So she leaves Lake Como, but then she can't stop thinking about him, and he can't stop thinking about her, and so... They meet up in different places all around Europe. Mind you, she's Australian, he's Italian, all right? So they've already got it in the back of their minds that like, oh, they're from different parts of the world, but they just really connect so well. And so they start meeting up in different parts of Europe while she's traveling and they meet up in Milan and then she just keeps finding herself back in Lake Como because she cannot part from him. And soon enough, they realized that this isn't just a holiday fling. There's genuine feelings there. And so they decide to put a label on it, take each other off the market, say they're boyfriend and girlfriend, despite being from other sides of the world. And they're just like, let's make it work. Either you come to Australia, I come to Lake Como. It doesn't matter that we've just spent this brief period of time together in an overseas country. 
they're like loved up and it's hard and fast and it's great and everything's perfect and they understand how to communicate to each other and he's emotionally intelligent and understanding where she's from without even her having to say anything for him to understand it. He just can read her. And so she learns Italian. He gets better at English and they're like, we're going to make this work. It's literally like the couple in love, actually the Colin Firth relationship where he learns Portuguese and she learns English. That's literally them. But soon enough, she has to fly back to Australia to go back to the real world. And they're like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do long distance. So they're doing long distance. Her sister flies to Italy for her own holiday. And it's so sweet. Her boyfriend picked up her sister from the airport, took her out for dinner, got to know her. And like her family's FaceTimed him. She's met his family and his friends. And it is just so cute. And once she's back in Australia, they're like, you know what? Like, He's like, I want to come to Australia. I want to see you in your home country. You've seen me in mine. I'm going to move to Australia. The one thing that's holding him back, he has a debilitating fear of flying, which makes sense. He's a sailboat instructor. So he starts going to courses to get over his fear of planes and flying. Like he does a course to help him conquer his own fears so that he can come to Australia and be with her. Fast forward to this week, like it's been months. Now fast forward to this week, he got on the plane. He had all of his friends and family take him to the airport and they helped him on the plane. And at seven o'clock tonight, he landed back in Australia and now they're together. And I'm, it's one of those stories where it's like, it just doesn't seem real. Meeting a sailboat instructor in Lake Como and falling madly in love to the part, like to the point where you cannot be separated. Like you have to meet up in various parts of Europe and then you just keep finding yourself back in Lake Como and he has a fear of flying. So he goes to a course to get over that fear, to come to Australia, to be with you. Like, I'm like, straight up, there needs to be a movie made about their relationship. It is so cute and so exciting. Anyway, I just needed to air that because I am so excited for her, for him to be in the same country as her. It is the most beautiful and unreal love story I've ever heard. So congrats to the happy couple of being reunited today. It's so cute. Oh my god, just as I finish recording that little segment, I just saw in her close friends that they're together and she posted saying, and all is right with the world again. (laughs) I love them so much. But now that I've aired that, now that it's off my chest, oh my god, I should interview them. Anyway, I'm now going to answer the questions that were sent to me on Instagram. There were about 50 sent to me by my sister who just had questions about my shower routine. Lucy, please stop. I'm not going to answer them. The first question, of course, is who was your favorite podcast guest? He 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 he. I cannot just pick one favorite guest and I know that's probably sounding like an absolute copier, but I think everyone really brought something to the table and no, like I asked a lot of the same questions to a lot of the same dates. However, all of them answered differently. Like I don't think there was ever really 
one of the same answer repeated and repeated, which was really refreshing, which means like, I feel like I got a a lot out of each date. I would say there were some that were probably just better than others and like the vibes were better and the conversation was better and more like free flowing. However, I'm not going to name them. That's just for me to know and for you guys to never find out. What do you do when you're just not into it? So if I'm on a date or if I've started seeing somebody and I'm just like, look, the vibe's just not here. I think the best thing to do is just straight up be honest with the person because there's nothing worse than either leading somebody on or, you know, we've all been in the position where somebody has kind of led us on as well. And the emotional roller coaster that you go on thinking that you're really getting to know somebody and then realizing that like they don't reciprocate those feelings is a truly horrible feeling. So I think the best thing to do is be honest pretty early on if you just don't think there's going to be a vibe there. And there are like many ways to do it gently. I think the best thing to do is just say, I've really enjoyed getting to know you. I think you're a terrific person. I don't think that this would go anywhere romantically. However, I have a lot of respect for you as an individual. And if you don't have a lot of respect to them as an individual, then that's fine too. I would probably send a similar message. However, if they made you uncomfortable, then I would definitely call them out on that behavior as well. I think the best thing to do in any of these situations is just to be honest about how that person made you feel. What is the ultimate red flag? Oh, there's literally so many. And I think the one thing I've really learned from all of these episodes is that there really are many different versions of red flags. I feel like the important thing is like differentiating between what's a red flag and what's an ick because I do think they're very different. An ick is something that you can just kind of be like, ugh, that's a bit yuck or like I don't really enjoy like this weird habit that somebody has or I don't like, I don't know, this style of shoes and if I see somebody wearing them, I'm a bit, I'm a bit like turned off by that. Whereas a red flag, I'm like, No, that's a serious sign that it's like you should not enter a relationship with that person. I think a red flag is a much deeper thing to look at. I think it's also way more psychological. I think a really good red flag to look out for in the early stages of dating when you're really just getting to know somebody is if they over-idealize you and the relationship you could potentially have. For instance, if you're dating somebody, if you've like been out a few times and you're still really early on getting to know them and they're like, well, I've just never met anybody like you. I connect with you in such a deep and meaningful way. I think you're an incredible person. It's like, that's all well and good. And that's not to say you aren't an incredible person. However, if you're really just getting to know this person, then they don't really know you on a deep enough level for them to be able to make up those decisions and like to really think that they understand you in that way. And I do think this is actually just an early stage of love bombing without it being, I feel like love bombing is a more extreme version of displaying love. I think this is like the very early onset of that. And I think from over idealizing a relationship and stuff, it can also be a very early form of manipulation and kind of playing mind games as well with somebody. So I think for the early stages, that's a really big red flag. If you're in the midst of a relationship with somebody, I think this is a huge one. If somebody isn't able to regulate or control or understand their emotions, if they're not really emotionally intelligent with their own feelings, I think that is a huge red flag because if they cannot understand 
their own feelings or how to process them, then they're probably not going to be able to understand yours. And you look, let's be real, every relationship has its problems. And I think understanding where each other's coming from without solid communication is often a breaking point for a lot of relationships. However, if somebody isn't emotionally intelligent enough to be able to understand their own feelings and therefore they can't understand yours, I think even if you do try to communicate with them, then there will be a bit of a blockage. I feel like, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but I feel like you often see this in people who do, I guess, act out a bit more or just... um I don't know, like have a bit more issues with anger and stuff like that because they cannot regulate their own emotions or understand why they're feeling a certain way at a certain point in time. And I think if you're with somebody like that, then it can also lead to a kind of dangerous path because you never really know when they're going to act out or how they might treat you day to day, which can be not only like in terms of it being emotionally damaging, but if they do end up being like, very angry you never know how that could turn into a different sort of anger and be displayed in a different way and so I think that is a huge red flag if somebody isn't able to understand their own emotions oh I love this question when should you tell someone you're dating that you don't want kids I think about this question a lot because to be honest I'm at a point in my life where currently I don't want kids and it doesn't mean I never want kids I think I just want to be with the right person of course to have kids at this point in time I don't see myself doing that because I'm just not with anyone who I would want to start a family with so I think I think if you feel a certain way like you absolutely do not want kids ever in your life which is totally fine it's your prerogative and I don't think that should be an issue. And it's like your own personal preference. I think you should say it pretty early on into dating. Maybe not after, like, if not date one, because I don't know, sometimes date one conversations get really deep. Sometimes they're kind of surface level. If not date one, then definitely like maybe date two, because otherwise you could just be wasting each other's time. Again, you don't want to lead somebody on And then have them be like, I really want to have a big family one day or just like even one kid. And you're like, I absolutely cannot have kids because then you're just going to make each other disappointed. So I think fairly early on, that is the time to have one of those discussions. Now, I don't know why I'm struggling with this question so much, but it's a red flag first date locations. Now, I feel like it depends on the person that you're going on the date with. It depends on the vibe or like the previous conversations you guys have shared because there are many ways that like things could factor into this. I personally would not go to a McDonald's on a first date or something like that. I did once have a guy suggest that we have lunch at Subway on our first date and I was just kind of like, I think we can do better than that. You know what I mean? Like maybe not a fast food restaurant, a chain restaurant, like a, I don't know, a hecho in Mexico. Sure. Do that. But maybe not just like, and I know it's hard if like you've got a budget and stuff like that as well, but I think there are many other ways that you can have a first date on a budget without it feeling super cheap or like you don't value the person you're with because 
I don't know if that comes across really pretentious, but I feel like if somebody were to take me to like a McDonald's or a Subway or a KFC or something, then I would feel like that is their standard of what they want in a date or to see somebody. I'm not saying like start off really strong and take me out for like a $700 dinner. I'm just saying like, if you want to woo me, if you want to like, I guess not not impress me but make me feel like you really want to see me and make me feel special and I want to do the same for you then that's actually display that in like putting some effort into the date so maybe not a fast food restaurant and you know what I actually hate the idea of going with somebody on like a car ride to a lookout to me that just doesn't seem safe nor does it feel very romantic if anything I would take that as, okay, you just want to have sex with me. You don't actually want to get to know me. Unless it's like, let's go have a picnic at this location. But I've heard of so many people being like, oh, our first date was a car ride to this place. And it wasn't like anything super spectacular. It's like, oh, we sat in the car. I don't know. Like something about that just like kind of freaks me out a bit. I love this. This person just wrote in, fuck on the first date or nah. Which I think is just, like, the best way they could have worded it. Another person wrote in, what are your ethical boundaries around casual sex? So I feel like the two can go hand in hand. If we're talking, you're going on a date with somebody and you're having sex, I, look, again, I think it depends on the person. I think it depends on the vibe. I think it depends on the kind of discussions you've been having. Sometimes you get a really good connection out of sleeping with somebody. I personally, if I really, really like the person, wouldn't sleep with them on the first date just because it's like with anything. I don't want to really have the person get to know every single thing about me. Another one of the questions was like, do you think it's better to be mysterious on a first date or honest? I think you need to have a healthy medium. I think you need to be honest and like really show who you are, but you can't let somebody know every single thing about you on the first date because then what do you do on the second date or the third date or the fourth date? So if I really like somebody and I want to keep some longevity in the dating of them, then I wouldn't sleep with them on the first date because I would want them to really get to know me first. However, if you're with somebody and you're just like, I just have mad sexual chemistry with you, go for your life. There's nothing wrong with that either. In terms of my ethical boundaries regarding casual sex, I think it's really important that if you're sleeping with a few different people, that you do get checks to see if you are carrying any STDs or if you have any STIs, because not only are you taking care of your own health, but then you're also not jeopardizing the health of whoever it is you're sleeping with. And it is also ensuring that you guys are kind of holding each other accountable and that it's like practicing safe sex as well. I think if you're casually sleeping with somebody, I mean, this is just me personally, I would make sure that I am having protected sex because if I'm not wanting a relationship with the person, then I wouldn't want something to happen that holds myself or that person liable for each other's health. Or for instance, as a woman, if I were to fall pregnant to somebody who I was having casual sex then with, then 
there's a lot of consequences that can come from that or, you know, various options and choices and decisions and conversations you have to have with the person you're sleeping with that quite often people don't want to have those conversations if they're sleeping with somebody. I think it's really important to understand each other's boundaries with casual sex and make sure that you feel safe and that they feel safe and that there is a clear understanding of what each other wants also from that relationship that you have with them. I think as long as you guys are on the same page and no wires are getting crossed, then you can have casual sex successfully. However, it can be a slippery slope if you're not communicating what you do and don't like. If you're not protecting yourself and the other person from the consequences of having unprotected sex and if you just aren't good at communicating how you're feeling and if you want to keep it casual as well. I think they're really important things to keep in mind if you're having casual sex. Uh, you guys might remember Gemma from the podcast. She messaged and asked, what's your highlights and lowlights from the year? Ah, look, this year has been such a roller coaster of emotions for me. I think it's been probably one of my most difficult years. As I mentioned in the last episode, at the start of the year, I struggled with like a relapse of my eating disorder and going through a really tough breakup and stuff like that. So that's definitely like the lowest points of the year. I have a lot of highlights. Like I got to see my friend get married and I got to see my sister get married. I think there was a lot of really beautiful moments where I also got to celebrate other people's love. And so those are probably my dearest memories of the year and just spending a lot of quality time with friends and people who I care about. I feel like I connected with a lot of people this year and I'm really grateful for that. And for the successes that we've had with Hot Mess Podcast, I think I'm so, so grateful and it's been a huge part of my year. So that's definitely the highlights. I think an important thing to remember in a year such as this where I've had lots of ups and downs is to like even think, you know, the highlights might just be like a day here and there, but there's definitely been more than there have been low lights. It's just that the low lights were such big changes in my life that it's sometimes hard to think of the positives. And so I think it's really important to remember like, oh, look at this exciting thing that happened and like think about all the people that you got to chat with and stuff. And it's like, those are the highlights. And it may not seem like a big, big picture thing. However, there's way more positives at the end of the day, but then there are negatives. Gemma also asked me, what would you love to tell your 10-year-old self and ask your 80-year-old self? That's so difficult. I think I'd just tell my 10-year-old self to not grow up too quickly, to enjoy being young and to... I, th I feel like I would want her to hold on to the love and confidence she had with herself. I think 10-year-old me, like, I think, oh, without getting too dark, I think, you know, when you go through puberty, that's when 
your perception of yourself really changes. And so I think I would try to motivate her really early on to just be like, you're perfect as you are and hold on to your youth and then ask my 80 year old self, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'd just be like, did you have fun? Did you have a good time? Like, I wouldn't want to ask 80 year old me if she fulfilled everything she wanted, because I feel like 80 year old me, I don't know what she'd say, but I just want to know that like without sounding morbid, I just want to be like, have you had a lot of fun? Like, that's all I want to know because currently I'm having a lot of fun and I hope it just continues for the rest of my life. This is a really beautiful question that I got sent through and I'm really grateful for the person who sent it through. They asked me, how do I motivate myself to date? I think I'm Demi and that's why I find it so hard. So for those who don't know, Demi is referring to demisexual. And when you're demisexual, basically it is the sexual... I've looked up the definition of it so I don't misinterpret anything or say the wrong thing. Demisexuality is a sexual orientation in which an individual does not experience primary sexual attraction the type of attraction that is based on immediately observable characteristics such as an appearance or smell and is experienced immediately after a first encounter. And to be honest, I think the motivating yourself to date is no ma- like is really hard no matter what your sexuality is. And of course, being demisexual does add to that because I think su- stuff such as like your animalistic instincts of visually seeing somebody and finding them attractive and then on top of that like the smell and like the pheromones and stuff like that play a huge role into your attraction to somebody the hardest step of dating and which is the only like this year is really the first time I stepped out of my comfort zone and really like dated and so I understand where this question does come from is that look you just have to really force yourself out there and I think in this day and age it's so hard because I think a lot of people do rely on the use of dating apps. And so it's now like, I think a good way to start off is just by having conversations with people out in public as well and building up your confidence in that sense, whether or not you're attracted to them. And just kind of like building up your confidence in yourself to be able to have conversations with people who you don't know very well. And then from there you can move into like the dating side of things. In terms of demisexuality, I'm very sorry. Like I personally don't have experience with this, so I don't want to speak on it in an insensitive way. But I feel like perhaps you do somewhat have to start in a similar way and start with like conversations with people, build up your confidence in that sense. And I think the best thing to do is just really put yourself out there talk to whoever you can, whenever you can. And from there, if you build stronger connections to them, then an attraction might develop. And I think in terms of demisexuality, from what I gather from it is that conversation and understanding of somebody is the best way to build up that attraction. I think with that attraction as well, like you have to really kind of get to know the person on an emotional level in order to be attracted to them. And so... I think like you have to kind of create a bond. And so it's kind of like what ties in with what I was saying before about even like how I wouldn't have sex with somebody on a first date without them really getting to know me first. I think 
you kind of need to have that boundary with yourself in terms of if that's how you identify, then understanding that you're not going to force yourself into a situation that you're uncomfortable with. I think if you're demisexual, then I think like the best thing to do is really own that part of you. And I know it's easier said than done. It's the same with any sexuality. Coming to terms with it can be difficult for a lot of people and understanding it. And so I think with demisexuality, it might take a little while longer for you to develop that kind of attraction to somebody, but don't give up on yourself and don't give up on your own personality and worth in the meantime, because just because you feel like it takes you longer to develop an attraction doesn't mean that you're any less of a good conversationalist or that you're also any less desirable just because you're not feeling that immediate desire for somebody else. And honestly, I think it's quite beautiful to feel like you need to have a strong emotional connection with somebody in order to find them attractive. I think that is whether or not you identify as demisexual, I think it's a very intuitive way and intelligent way of approaching a relationship as well if you really want to date people. The same with sapiosexuality and how that is the sexual attraction to intelligence. I think if that's what you desire in a person, then don't shy away from that because I think you will find the connection you're looking for through the deeper connection that you can form with somebody. Ooh, somebody asked, best first date spot in Melbourne and who wants to take me there? That is from Marina who was on the podcast. Now let me have a think. Best first date spots in Melbourne. I think there are many, many great locations. Melbourne is such a great place for food and wine and coffee and just so many things and outdoorsy things. You can literally drive an hour out of Melbourne and find yourself in the most beautiful locations. I could talk on good restaurants to go to for a first date for ages. I do have my favorites. I think a really good one to go to is Pellegrini's in the city because it is such a Melbourne icon and is also just like good authentic Italian homemade food. However, I think if you don't like Italian, I recommend checking out, this is not sponsored, Broadsheet, have an entire section of restaurants specifically for first dates and it's all different parts of Melbourne, all different suburbs. So it can really cater to your needs and also different cuisines as well. So check out the Broadsheet first dates restaurant locations. If you're not down for dinner on a first date because it's not everyone's favorite like thing to do, I personally don't like going to the movies on a first date. Some people don't go, like going for dinner, so it really depends on the vibe. I think a fun activity is always a good idea. Like you could go to mini golf or, oh my God, I was about to be like, go axe throwing, but then I don't think on a first date that's a good idea. I don't think they need to see my rage or like a break room or something like that. Don't do that. Maybe an escape room, test like your teamwork and see how they work or if they like take they like taking control of a situation I think that's a really good one or I don't know there's just so many good locations oh my god go to the gallery go to the museum <gasps> the zoo the aquarium so fun so much fun I absolutely would go to those things on a first date you know what else is great going to a comedy show 
I think you can really judge somebody by their sense of humor, what they do and don't laugh at. I think a comedy show is fun because you can have dinner beforehand and you can kind of let loose around the person if you want to like really have a good time and have a laugh. I was asked what my ideal first date is and aside from it being on a podcast, I really like doing an activity on a first date. I'm not huge on, like I said before, going to the movies or having dinner either. I kind of save like a more formal like dinner and stuff like that for maybe a second date. I think for a first date, I think it's really fun to just kind of be a bit more relaxed and because like nervous, like you can be so nervous going into a date. So I'd rather just get coffee with somebody and like maybe do an activity and just have fun because then you loosen up a bit and then you can have like more of a serious like sit down dinner conversation on like the second or third date. If I had to have dinner with three people dead or alive, who would it be? We all know I'm probably going to say Taylor Swift will have to be at that dinner table. I would love to pick her brain about how she writes her lyrics and, but also just like, I feel like she and I would just have fun. I feel like we'd have good conversations, good chats. Um, yeah, Taylor Swift is definitely at that table and she can also have a laugh. I would love to sit down and have dinner with Malala Yousafzai. She, I was so inspired by her growing up. She's the only a year older than me. And I think she is one of the first really young people that I saw show an interest in politics to the point where it was like a huge part of their identity. And she's made such a positive impact on the lives of so many women across the globe and so I would love to have her over for dinner and again I think she and Taylor Swift would also get along so I think those two would be my first two picks oh I haven't picked anyone who's dead yet maybe I should who from history who would I want oh I've decided to keep it with women um there's literally so many people who I want to have on this list but I think the third person would be perhaps Hattie McDaniel, who was the first black Oscar winner. Um, And she was also a woman, uh, which is massive. And I just don't think history has really honored her enough because she ended up filming over 300 movies in the golden age of Hollywood. She won the Oscar for her performance in Gone, Gone with the Wind and I think she had a lot of different struggles and like triumphs, but then also a lot of really difficult parts of her career where she was getting criticized by black people and wasn't able to join the NAACP for a very, very long time because of the roles that she was playing. But yet she also paved the way for not just women, but also black women in cinema in a time where they were not accepted so I think she's very inspiring and I would love to hear her story from her personally and I just don't think it's something that we hear of enough. I can't keep it at three. My fourth person, I know they only said three, I think it would have to be Ruth Bader Ginsburg who was the first woman woman in the Supreme Court justice and she fought for gender equality and women's rights throughout her career. I love her I think she was a tough lady but she again paved the way for a lot of women so I'm inspired by her oh you know who I was also inspired by growing up Emmeline Pankhurst who was the founding member member of the suffragettes love her too um 
Yeah, oh, far out. Maybe I'll have five. They can be there. They, they're all there. They're all invited to dinner. Basically, Boof Podcast did write in and ask me if I was feeling Boof. And this is a shout out to them. James, who was one of my dates on the podcast, is a member of the basically Boof Podcast. I'm always feeling Boof. Go give them a listen. And the last question, my own mother wrote in and asked, what's the biggest turnoff on a first date? Pigging out on dinner or popcorn? or a desperate sloppy kiss. Firstly, Sue, I love the descriptions that you gave me. Um, look, I don't always kiss on the first date, but if I do, then I don't really want it to be sloppy. Um, is that the biggest turnoff though? To be honest, I don't think it is because I think kissing can take practice with a person who you want to see again. You know, you can kind of train them up to kiss you in the way you want to be kissed. However, sometimes pigging out on food can freak me out a little bit. Um, not in a sense of like, you know, eating heaps, go for your life. I love food. I'm more like pigging out, like, like being an absolute mess with your food. That kind of scares me. Um, I'm not super uptight with manners. However, I don't think it's the best thing on a first date to be overwhelmed by the way somebody's eating. Um, with popcorn, oh, mum, you know me so well. Popcorn is my favorite snack. I did go on a date to the movies with somebody. Maybe this is where my disdain for going on a date to the movies comes from, where we were sharing popcorn and I've never shared popcorn again ever since this experience. Um, where they would lick their fingers after every bite of popcorn and put it back in the popcorn and then the popcorn became soggy. So I'm going to have to say my bigger turnoff is the food and popcorn scenario over the sloppy kiss because of those scenarios. So thank you, mum, so much for bringing that up. And that is all the questions we have time for. There were plenty more where that came from. I really appreciate every single one of you who wrote in. I'm sorry if I didn't answer every single question. Maybe we'll have to do a part two. Maybe we'll have to do a part two after the second date and see if I have any different answers. Tim, don't let me down on the second date because my opinions might change to some of these answers. Just kidding. No pressure. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you had some of your questions answered. I hope I may have helped you in some way and I hope you enjoyed the episode and I look forward to chatting with you guys again soon. Remember to follow us at hotmess underscore podcast on TikTok and on Instagram where you will see some very juicy updates on different things coming up over the next few weeks. Thanks again, guys. Love you heaps. Have a beautiful week.